appreciate that very much. Uh, can you, if you're of a certain vintage, it's hard not to uh, read that story and want to sing in your head, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. <laughs> uh, he climbed up that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Well, we are on a journey of talking about hospitality, and I don't know if that word hospitality, when you hear it, uh, for those of you who are introverts, it's a, uh, it's a 11 letter swear word maybe, <laughs> because you go, wait a minute, Scott, um, how many messages are you going to do on hospitality? Um, I said four. So today means we're halfway through, and so maybe you're sitting there going, okay, I can, I, can, I can do today and two more, okay? As an introvert, you can do a couple more, right? And, um, <laughs> and so you don't have to get up and leave. Uh, I grew up in a home where you have to know that my father is the ultimate introvert. Uh, he tells me that if it wasn't for my mom, he would be a hermit. He'd be living in a cabin, and he would be um, he'd be alongside of a lake, and if he only had to see people once a month, that would be fine with him. Now, my mom is the ultimate extrovert to the place that this is what happens growing up as a kid. I know it was happening growing up as a kid. As the pastor said, it's time now to pray. My mother's social calendar for after church began to go through her head. And she began to think about who she needed to connect with after church. And she would think, oh yes, I need to make sure I talk to Sue. Um, I haven't talked to her for a while. And yes, also Millie. Yeah, Millie, I need to talk to her. And I wonder how Carol and Mike are doing. They've been having some trouble. So yeah, I should probably talk to Carol and Mike. Ooh, and yeah, I can't forget Mary, Misha, Martha, and Michelle. I've got to connect with all those people too. And so when, when the pastor said amen, my mom would then turn to my dad and my, she would say to my dad, <laughs> no joke, she'd say to him, I have a few people I need to talk to. <laughs> and my dad goes, of course. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And she goes, you can sit in the car and wait for me. And he goes, of course I will. <laughs> and so for the next 45 minutes or an hour, my mom will be networking in a church and when she comes and visits you, visit us here, they'll come and visit. <clears throat> she'll know you by name. And she'll talk to me. She goes, so how's so-and-so doing? How are, I talked to so How are they doing? I love it. My mom is so wonderful. She really is. And so even though I talk, and my dad being an, an introvert, I mean, it, it's, it's great. I think I got both of them. I think I'm kind of like this extrovert because that's what I need to be, but I could easily be an introvert, right? Maybe some of you are that way. I, I share it because I, I, I grew up in a home where my mom being this extrovert, man, we had, I know we had lots of people over because that's what she did. And my dad being an introvert, just he went along with it. And he can make great conversation. He really can. And he's got lots of stories to tell and he's a wonderful man. Um, but I grew up in this, this introvert, extrovert home. So when I talk about hospitality, I, I, I get for you that are, that are extroverts, it's like, yeah, bring it on. For the introverts, it's like, ooh, how many messages? Uh, so I want to just acknowledge that this morning. 
So I should tell you this, that as we talk about radical hosp ordinary hospitality, and I started to go through thinking about my messages I wanted to share, <clears throat> I decided that four wasn't quite enough. <laughs> so we need to do a couple more. Just a few more, two more, that's all. So it's going to be six in total, but I, I assure you they'll go by quickly, okay? All right, so we talked about hospitality, and, uh, and last week I gave a really simple definition of hospitality. Do you remember what it was? Don't put it up there yet. Anybody remember what I, what I said hospitality was? No? I'm failing as a pastor already, and I've only been here six weeks. Food, yeah, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't say food. Um, food is, uh, it's only a portion of hospitality. Um, okay, here it is, all right? This is hospitality is love in action. Okay, so in, in order to have you help, help you remember it, we're going to say it together, okay? So we're going to say hospitality is love in action. Are you ready? Hospitality is love in action. All right, there we go. There we go. Hospitality is love in action. Hopefully, hopefully, then, if I ask you a week from now or two weeks from now, you'll be able to remember it. We'll see. <laughs> so I've entitled this, I've entitled this, uh, this, this, this message as Radical Ordinary Hospitality. So the question is, is what makes hospitality both radical and ordinary? Well, here's the thing. The first part of it being radical is that when we look at it, that there is no boundaries. Hospitality in, in, and as we practice it, has no boundaries. And I hope that we'll be able to explore that when we look at Jesus and we look at his life and we even look at the story of Zacchaeus. It has no boundaries. And secondly, it's ordinary. And why is it ordinary? Because when we look at the life of Christ, it's what he did. It's what he did. It's just every day for him, it was ordinary. You just expressed hospitality. And again, I want to expand our, our definition a little bit as we go along in this. And so this love in action is what Jesus did, and we'll explore a little bit more of what that may look like um, as, uh, as we do this in an ordinary way. So last week, I gave you also a quote from Rosaria. Did I say that right? Okay. Rosaria Butterfield. And I want to give it again. And, and so she is the one who has said, radical ordinary hospitality is seeking strangers and making them neighbors and embracing neighbors so that by, by God's grace, they, they may become part of the family of God. They may become part of the family of God. And so recognizing that, that it's about strangers and, and we'll look at what this word means, but this is part of strangers to neighbors, neighbors of the family of God. As I encounter people and I talk with people about Jesus, or I don't talk to them about Jesus, I just live my life. As I have people in my life that I want them to know Jesus, I don't have a relationship with them so that I can have a little scorebook, you know, and I score, oh, okay, they came to know Jesus, and they came to know Jesus. I live my life so that, that, that they can encounter Jesus through my life, but I am friends with them 
simply because God's put them in my life. That's it. I don't want to have any alternative motives. I don't want anybody in my life to feel like, oh, Scott's friends with him so that one day he can get me to come to church. That's not good. Because if they one day tell me I'm never going to come to your church, am I still going to be friends? And why did a friendship form? Hopefully my friendships have formed because that's who God's put into my life and said, I want you to be friends. I'm doing something in their life. So as we talk about hospitality, the end goal is just doing what Jesus did. But it is engaging strangers. So let's look at this Greek word hospitality. And this Greek word hospitality is philozenine. I think I said that right, close to it. But anyways, let's break the word out a little bit and uh, look at philo. So philo is word that you know. What does philo mean? Love. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, so when I say that hospitality is love in action, this is where I'm getting it from. It's, it's love, and the second part of this word is, it means this. It means stranger it means foreigner, it means outsider, it means guest. It's loving, so it's an action of loving a stranger, loving a foreigner, loving an outsider, it's loving a guest. That's what hospitality means. I know that we often think of hospitality as food. <laughs> and food is, what was that? Food is wonderful, food is great. And I love food, and, and I'll tell you, when you have, we've, we've, uh, we've recently, a few of you invited us over, and it's been, wow, great, and the food has been fantastic, but I'll tell you, the company has been wonderful. It's been delightful, and, and I say that hospitality is not food, but food makes great hospitality. Okay, so here's an important part. Hospitality, I think there are two things that we need to remember. Hospitality is a heart posture. It's a heart posture. It's what you and I, in our heart, take on. That I, I want to love strangers. I want to love the guest. I want to love the neighbor, the foreigner, the outside person. It's a heart posture. It's what I have in my heart. And that comes from who is in my heart, who is in my life. Secondly, well, I, I will say this, is that when you have this, this heart posture of God's, which I believe this is, that, that we'll look at Jesus is hospitality, but when I look at that and it's my heart posture, you know, my time, my budget, and my engagements will reflect that. It will reflect that. And so I look at hospitality and I say that hospitality is a heart posture and hospitality is also this. Hospitality is about receiving and welcoming people into your world. Now hear what I say. Hospitality is about receiving and welcoming people into our world. And I say it that way because it's not always in your home. Now some of you here, what kind of home do you have? You share a dorm room with somebody, right? Now, now, you can invite them into your dorm room, and that is great, and that is wonderful, and you can eat top ramen soup, and that's wonderful too. But sometimes hospitality isn't that at all. It's simply inviting somebody 
to a coffee shop or inviting somebody for a walk. Ever think about that? Hospitality is inviting somebody on a walk with you and being hospitable. It's engaging with somebody. It's inviting and welcoming people into your world. So, I've only talked about food a little bit. We're going to talk about it a little bit more now. When I look at Jesus, I see Jesus' hospitality. He is hospitality. Consistently, he is receiving and welcoming people into his life. Oftentimes, it is around a table. Oftentimes, it is around a table. But when you look through the Gospels and you look at how he engaged with people, he loved strangers and foreigners and outsiders and guests. It didn't matter what their social economic status was, what their ethnic background was. He welcomed them into his world. Read through the Gospels and you'll see time and time again that he always welcomed into his world. Now, if you were to go through the Gospel of Mark and you were to read and you were to mark down every time food is mentioned. So when food is mentioned in the Gospel of, of Luke, I know I said Mark, didn't I? Yeah. When you, in the Gospel of Luke, you could underline it and you would find over 40 times that food is mentioned. So food is important. Jesus was either, either eating at somebody's place or he was providing massive amount of food for people or he's talking about food in a parable, in a story. The guy seemed obsessed with food. I want to be around a guy like that, don't you? Dan, do I hear an amen back there? Thank you, thank you. You're disappointing me a little bit. Okay, love it. Okay, so now I've hopefully set kind of a foundation a little bit. Let's jump into our story today of Zacchaeus. And I like it. He's a wee little man. I kind of relate to that. Here's a little side note. Do you know that when it's actually written that Zacchaeus was a small man, or it says that, uh, how did it put it? The way that it's written, you actually don't know if it's Zacchaeus was a small man or Jesus was a small man and Zacchaeus couldn't see him. Ooh. Ooh, that kind of throws things off to a little curve, doesn't it? I'm kind of thinking Jesus was a small man. I know. I like that. Kind of fits my stature. Anyways. Okay. That was a rabbit trail. That's sorry. I apologize for that. <laughs> this morning as we look at, at Luke chapter 19, there are kind of three movements that I want to look at to begin with. And it starts off in the very first verse. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Okay? He was entering Jericho and he was passing through. He had some place that he wanted to go. Anyone here A-type personality? Just anybody dare to raise your hand that you're an A-type personality? Like, you, yeah, yeah, you got, you got places to go, things to do, and do not get in my way, okay? Yeah, all right. So you know. So I want you to see as you read this, Jesus was purposeful in everything he did. Everything he did. He had purpose. He was doing the Father's will. He had something that God wanted him to do, and he was going to get there. But he was going through Jerusalem. He's going to go somewhere. And what does he do? 
he stops. So here's my first, here's my first point I want us to realize, that Jesus lived an unhurried life. He lived an unhurried life. Jesus entered into Jericho, and he stops to talk to a guy in a tree. Now, I think I may stop too if somebody was in a tree and I'm walking through. Now, you have to understand that Zacchaeus was an important man. He was, a, he was the chief tax collector. Now, not everybody liked him, but everybody knew him. I, I haven't met our mayor yet, and I'm sure he's a lovely man. Oh, <laughs> okay. We, we pray. You have very opportunity to pray for him. But if, if our mayor was in a tree and I was walking by, I would stop. And I'd go, hey, what are you doing in the tree? Jesus couldn't help but stop and say, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house. Jesus does this often. He invites himself over. If you want to experience hospitality, can I encourage you? Just walk up to somebody today and say, I'm coming to your house today. That'll throw us for a loop, right? Jesus was constantly inviting himself over. So here he is, he sees, sees ideas, and he slows down, and he passes by. It's not the first time, though. Again, we read through the Gospels, and what do we read? We see that he stops for leopards. We see that he, he stops for children, for outcasts, for women, the poor, the sick, the young, the old. Jesus stops along the way. He lives an unhurried life with God. And yet he, he's got places to go and things to do, and that is not wrong. But he lays them before God, and he says, God, I guess right now I'm going through Jericho, and I thought I was going through Jericho, but you have stopped me, and you want me to have a meal with Zacchaeus. Hospitality does not happen if you and I don't take time to listen to God. Living a hurried life will not bring us to the place where we need to be with God. We need to find moments in time where we will slow down. How often do you and I miss how often do you and I miss what God is doing because we're in a hurry? Oh, confessions of a pastor. So, <clears throat> I went to Calgary to go to a, some board meetings of a board I'm on. And on the way back, I am in the airport, and we're all waiting to get on the plane. And you start seeing the different people that get on the plane. And I love to watch people just to kind of observe what's there. And there was this guy that was there, and he stood out. And, um, and he, he was talking loudly, and he was a little bit of a different character. And, and, uh, and I had a middle seat. And when I saw him, you know where this is going. When I saw him, I thought, hmm, well, Lord, what's the chances that he's going to sit next to me? I'm tired. I just kind of want to chill, listen to a book. Guess who sat next to me? 
and I've been away, I want to get home. And we chatted a little bit, and I did. I gave him my time. I took my earbuds out. I did. I took him out, and I talked with him, and I learned that, you know, he, I said, hey, you're coming back from vacation. Yeah, when do you have to start work? Oh, well, that's up to me. I mean, he told me more than things that I needed to know. And then we're getting close to landing, and he starts to go, oh, man, I says, I should have arranged a ride to Victoria. And he's going on about a ride to Victoria. And I'm thinking, I should give this guy a ride to Victoria. Like, it's, what, how far does he need to go? And then I start thinking, no, I've got things to do. I've got places to go. I didn't give him a ride. I didn't. And, and he's, he's going along and he's, you know, we're talking, he, oh, that person can't give me a ride and this person can't give me a ride. And, and I actually in my heart thought that I needed to give this guy a ride. But my life was too busy. And I need to give him a ride. So I share that because, well, because I'm like you. I can be just like you. Maybe not all of you. Some of you just would have done it. I mean, I'm landing in Victoria Airport anyways. It's not that far away. Just to drop him off and go home. So my question is, who is it that God wants you to have a conversation with? Jesus was hospitable because he lived an unhurried life. He always had time for strangers. I think if we slowed down, we would find that we would have more time too. Secondly, here's another thing that I uh, find interesting, and that is Zidus Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. He was rich, it says in verse 2, and he was seeking to see Jesus, who Jesus was. So here's my next thing, is that people wanted to be with Jesus. You recognize that? My question is, is why did people want to be with Jesus? Why would Zacchaeus, he is not a, he is not a man in, in the community that people really like. He was really the extortionist. He would come to you and he would say to you, listen, you need to give me this amount of tax. And Rome had its standard here, and then Zacchaeus, he could say, you need to give me this amount. So here's Rome, and now you need to give me not only that, but you need to give me this amount too. So you can imagine the tax guy coming to you and saying to you, okay, you need to give me this, but also you're going you're gonna to finance my life, and you're going to give me X amount more. And if you balk at it, he could easily say, you're going to now give me this much. And if you didn't, you'd be thrown into jail. I mean, Zacchaeus was not a liked man in his community, only by the rich, only by those that he would have friendship with, but most people he wouldn't. Why would he want to be with Jesus? Why would he want to see Jesus? What was it about Jesus that draw, drew people to him? Well, you should be able to answer that because you're drawn to him, right? You're here today. You know what it is. And I like to ponder that thought. What is it about Jesus that attracted people to him? 
And you might say, well, he was Jesus. I mean, of course people would be attracted to him. But you and I are called to be like Jesus. And my question is, are people attracted to you by the way you live your life, by the things you say, the things you do, the way you respond? Or are they repelled by you? When you and I, as we talked about a princess with Jesus, our lives should look and sound different than the people around us. Our reactions to life should be different. So you're going to hear me say this, and I'll repeat it again and again. There are three things, three ingredients that I think are important for everything that we do. And these three ingredients are this. Is to be with Jesus to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does or did. Those are the three most important things. If we can be with Jesus, knowing who Jesus is, then guess what? You will be like him. An illustration that I use is you see an older couple, and uh, you look at them, and, and if you spend time with an older couple, and there's a few of you that are here today, and you've been, they've been married for 50, 60 years, and you look at them and say, hey, they, they kind of they look like each other. Yeah, yeah? Well, why is that? Why is that? Well, because you've actually spent so much time together that you actually begin to be like them. You begin to have expressions like them. You begin to talk like them. You begin to say things like them. And with that, you kind of begin to look like them. Now, Rain and I don't look anything alike. But hopefully, our interactions with each other, we do become like one another. But I have to spend time with her. I have to know her. I have to know her dreams, her wishes, her loves, her dislikes, and her likes, and likewise. And as I do, then I can be like her. Do you see where I'm going? We want to be like Jesus, but do we spend time with him? If we're going to show hospitality, we need to know him, and then if we know him, we can be like him, and guess what? Then you'll just do what he does. You will do it, or you'll want to do it. You'll want to explore it. So that's why in John 15, Jesus says, remain in me. Be with me. Be with me, because if you know me, you will know the Father. If you remain in me, you will know the Father. And that's why he says, pray this prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, here's my last point. My last point is this. Jesus hung out with bad people. Do you ever notice that? He hangs out with bad people. Look what it says there in verse 7. And when they saw it, they grumbled. Actually, a better word to put here is they gossiped. It never happens in church. But they gossiped. They gossiped about these bad people Jesus was with. He's with sinners, for heaven's sakes. Well, throughout the Gospels, it's often you hear and it's re- you read, he's with sinners, he's with drunkards, he's with tax collectors, he's with prostitutes. I mean, he was with a lot of bad people. It's not quite the Jesus that I am pictured here. I mean, he should be with good people, right? 
because he's good. But Jesus is with a lot of bad people. He's with the people my mom told me not to be around. Stay away from them. They're bad people. And yes, as young people, you need to choose wisely. But I think, actually, that if we are walking with Jesus to know him, to be like him, then we, too, should have some bad people in our lives. We, too, should be like Jesus. Why did Jesus have bad people in his life? And I'm I'm using quotations, okay? Bad people. Look at verse 10. Comes right to the very end. This is Jesus' mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is Jesus' mission. And his method was inviting strangers and outsiders into his world. His method was hospitality. That's what his method was. His mission was to seek and to save the lost. And his method was by inviting people into his world. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what they were doing. He invited them into his world. So let me ask you this, because that's love in action. What does your friend circle look like? What does it look like? Who is an outcast in your school? Who's your outcast in your school? Who's sitting all by themselves? Nobody is there with them. Maybe that's you, but if it's you, then I'm sure there's somebody else. We're on the sports field. I heard one dad challenge his son one day. They were just doing school sports. It wasn't anything big. It wasn't, you know, they weren't in any elite club or anything like that. And uh, it was recess time, and, uh, and so they were just having fun. And, and the dad challenged his son. He said, listen, when it comes time to pick teams, because his son would pick teams, he says, you, picked, you pick the ones who nobody else will pick. But dad, he says... Do you know we'll lose? And he says, it really is it about that? You pick the ones that nobody else will pick. And so he did. And he said it was amazing how these kids, they started to beam and how they started to feel important. They, feel, they felt like they were somebody. And, he, and the boy and the son said, actually, Dad, we didn't do too bad. We lost, but we didn't do too bad. And he created a whole new friend circle simply because he was looking for the outsiders. Who is your stranger? What what do strangers look like in in your neighborhood? Who's a sinner in your workplace? Who are the people that are being ignored? Are we inviting them? Are we welcoming them into our world? I wonder today, I wonder today, what the sinners would look like in Jesus' world. Have you ever thought about that? What he would look, what, who he'd be hanging out with? I made a short little list. Actually, it's not very long. I'll give it to you. I think he still would be hanging out with prostitutes. I think he'd still, he'd be looking for homeless people, drug addicts. I actually think that he would have LGBTQ plus people in his life. Understand this, that just because Jesus hung out with them 
doesn't mean that he condemned them. He condoned, excuse me, it doesn't mean that he condoned what they were doing. Okay? Just because he hung out with them doesn't mean that he condoned what they were doing. But he still hung out with them. And he loved them. What is the result of that? Let's look at verse 8. Now, you have to know that between verse 7 and verse 8, something takes place. Jesus eats a meal. Jesus has conversation. We miss that, okay? We think that they just gossip over here, and all of a sudden, Zacchaeus has this moment. No, Jesus had a meal with Zacchaeus, and this is what Zacchaeus says, and Zacchaeus stood. So they are all lounging around the table, and he stands up, and he says this. He says, to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone, anything, I'll restore it in fourfold. Okay? That's what it looks like when you just love people and you, you enter into their world and they enter into your world. See, Zacchaeus was a scoundrel. I really believe he was. But his encounter with Jesus transformed his life. But Jesus had to get close. Remember I said that we can impress people from afar, but we impact them up close? Jesus was willing to get close with people. And so our challenge is, is that who in our world, who in our orbit would be our stranger? Who would it be that we would consider where we could show hospitality? simply by being around somebody, inviting them to have a meal with us, or just inviting them to have a walk with us and a conversation. How can we be like him? How can we be like Jesus? So, here's where I want to invite us in going deeper as I land the plane here, okay? I want to give three different invitations. The first one is this. It's just a life of hospitality. So my challenge for us this week is maybe this is where you could be, is that this week you would look for five to seven people, just strangers, people you do not know, you would look for them and you would simply say hello. You would actually do eye contact and you would say hi. Maybe you're walking down a trail instead of looking down or trying to, you just look at them and you say hello there or good morning or good afternoon or good evening, whatever, but you actually look at them and you say hello to them. Strangers, maybe it's walking down the aisle and instead of going, you just simply say, hello. Just try that. That is a simple way of just engaging in hospitality, okay? Second way is this. A little bit more effort. Stop and pray. Consider praying several times this week about how, hospi how hospitable your life is among outcasts, sinners, and strangers. It could mean that you pause and pray each time you enter into a group of people, whether that's at school or your workplace or a coffee shop, and then consider one thing God would ask you to change so that your life would be receiving and welcoming others. Just one thing. But you purposely begin to enter into a classroom, a workplace, a coffee shop, and just simply say, God, 
Who's my stranger here right now? Okay, third thing. Takes maybe another little step. And that is this. Your home of hospitality. Your home of hospitality. Consider opening up your door and inviting someone in you usually would not. Make it a simple invitation for coffee or tea. If it's at school, look around for somebody to eat who is eating alone and sit with them and have lunch with them. Consider baking cookies or muffins and dropping them off at a neighbor's place. Or giving them to a classmate that you don't normally talk with. But it's another step. And just considering. Next week, I want to talk about what it looks like, what this actually would look like in our world if we as a church engage. What would it look like in Ladysmith if we just upped the ante just a little bit more with hospitality? What would it look like in our community of Ladysmith? What would it look like on this island? What would it look like in BC? What would it look like across Canada? Because we have an example of what it actually looks like from church history. So we're going to look at that next week. So as I finish off, I just want to remind you that Jesus' mission was to seek and to save the lost, and his message was through hospitality. It was love in action as he welcomed and invited people into his world. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have not left us alone to wander, to wonder about how to live this life. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be akin to yours. That Jesus, as you just loved being with people, that we would find that we love being with people. Your creation, your image bearers. Father, help us to take our love for you and translate that into loving others, showing hospitality, love in action to the people around us. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.